You probably know the story, it's a really well-known story, about a man who fell off a cliff. And it was a very tall cliff, and he just managed to grab hold of a branch and, and, and save himself from falling. And there he was, holding on to the branch, and he called out, Help! Help! Is there anybody there? I'm here for you, Donovan. Who's that? I can't see you. Where are you? I'm everywhere. Everywhere? Are you God? I'll do anything if you'll save me. I'll read my Bible every day. I'll start going to church every Sunday. I'll even sing. <laughs> I'll put more money in the collection. I'll visit my sick neighbour. Okay, okay. We can talk about that all later. All I want you to do now is to let go of the branch. Is there anyone else there? <laughs> Thank you, Dave. We're coming nearly to the end of our series on risking for God. And uh, I have a, a thing. This, this series was set and the speakers were marked out uh, right at the beginning of the year. And I thought right from the beginning when I saw it, Graham set me up on this one. Because anybody who knows me will know that I find it really, really hard to let go. I like to be in control if I possibly can. And it's only when I'm desperate that I call on God. And that's my failing. So it's, it's one for me. And as Graham would have said if he'd been here, I've had to talk to my face quite a lot about this before I came to speak to you today. I've had to look in the mirror and think about myself and uh, think about what this means for me. And it's not easy to let go of things. Not easy at all. So before we even start, I want to lay down just one or two very basic things about letting go or what it doesn't mean. And letting go doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up anything. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to give away anything. It just means you have to pass over control. When I was 50 years old, my 50th birthday, Rosemary treated me to a flying lesson, which was something I'd always wanted to do. And I sat beside the pilot in the cockpit, and he taxied down the runway, or down to the end of the runway, and then he accelerated, and we took off, and it was such an exhilarating feeling. And then once we were in the air, he said, right, he said, now you've got control. I think he said, you've got the con, or something like that. And I was able to fly this airplane, and it was absolutely fabulous. I felt I could do anything. You know, we could bank to the left and the right. We came, flew around over Bridge North. We looked down on our house and our garden where we lived. I turned back flew back to the, air, the, uh, the airstrip, and he said, and I thought he was going to take over at any point, he said, right, he said, now line up with the runway. And I remember lining up with the runway, and he said, now bring it down gently. And I was panicking now, thinking, yeah, I'm going to crash, I can't do this. And just as we came towards the runway, he said, right, now let me have control, which was a relief, actually. <laughs> so I let him have control. I said, you have the control. And he said to me, I have the control. And then I felt relaxed, and he brought us in gently into the uh, thing. So it's about letting somebody else, letting God have control 
in our lives, rather than trying to drive it ourselves, which is what we try and do. So let's look at the passage that we've been given to think about this morning. It's up there and I'll read it. I had to go on to Google, get the right pronunciation of these words, so I hope I get it right. So it's Philippians chapter 2, chapter 4, it should be chapter 4, it says 2 on there. Chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. I plead with the Iuda, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of the life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, what do most people want in life? If we're honest, the things that we want are possibly some of these, if not all of them. Security is fundamental. We want to feel safe. We want to feel comfortable. We want pleasure. We look for pleasure. We enjoy life. We want to make the most of it. We want to be happy. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel that there's some sense of value in who we are and what we do. And the reality is that most of us, certainly I have, spent most of my life pursuing those things, working hard for them, for me, for my wife, for my children, for my wider family. That's really important. I invest a lot in those things. And actually, there's nothing wrong in that. I don't believe there's anything wrong in that. I think those things are in our DNA. That's a modern phrase, isn't it? They're built into us. They're natural that we want security. We want to be in a safe place. We want to feel happy. We want to feel fulfilled. They're natural. Um, they're the things that we desire for us, for our people we love. Um, and if they're natural, and if they're part of our DNA, that means actually that's the way God made us. And we shouldn't feel guilty about those things. The truth is that God loves each one of us just as if we were a favorite, well, we are a favorite and treasured child to our Father God. The things that we desire most for our children, God desires for us too. He wants us to live in fullness of joy. He wants us to enjoy that security and the full knowledge of our hope in Jesus. And he wants us to find fulfillment 
in being the people that he meant us to be. The problem is we spoil it. We spoil it by trying to do it all ourselves. We spoil it by striving after those things when God just longs to give them to us. The things we do to fill those needs. In my case, it was my job and my career. I felt if I worked harder, if I got promotion, then I could do more for my family. I could provide more for them. I would have a healthy bank balance. We saw the pain that it brought to that family earlier on in the service um, because they were in debt. And that leaves insecurity and low value, low self-esteem. We like to have a comfortable home. We like to put possessions around us, as Mark was saying in his illustration from Matthew. Um, we try and fill it by investing in our family and our friends. We try and keep healthy. We think if I'm well, then I'll be at peace and I'll feel happy. We invest in the things we enjoy in, enjoy doing. Uh, invest in leisure time, in sports or in films or whatever else it is that we do. We anticipate and we enjoy our holidays. But they're all centered on ourselves and provided by ourselves and that's where the issue comes that they don't actually fulfill. So just try asking yourself these questions and I'm, I'm going to run through them quickly but I'll leave them up there and just think if any of these questions kind of ring true for you. Do any of these carry a reliable promise of long-term security? Are any of them entirely secure? Are they trustworthy? Do they fill your life with happiness all the time? Do you ever get weary of the pleasures that they bring? Do they ever leave you feeling disappointed or frustrated? Do you ever find yourself wishing for something more? There must be something else. If I had something more, then I'd really be happy. Do they lift you up and do they make you feel a better person? Do they leave you feeling enabled and fulfilled? Some people live in fear that we will lose those things and what will happen. It's an anxiety. Anxiety is based in fear. But the truth lies in believing and recognizing that everything we have comes from God and rightly belongs in Him, with Him. We, we've had this teaching again and again and again. People say, um, where are you going to teach about giving? Where are you going to teach about tithing? Recognizing that we have to give back to God. The reality is everything we have comes from him and everything belongs to him. And he loves us and he wants the very best for us and he values our friendship with him and he invests in us. We serve a God who loves to give good things to us. Jesus said, Is there a man among you who would offer his son a stone when he asks for bread? God loves us and he wants that very best. The Heavenly Father will give good things to those who ask for them. But the opposite of letting go and giving over control is holding those things on our own. Holding those things to ourselves. It's a mistake to think that we can find joy 
or peace or fulfilment through anything we actually try and do on our own, through, through our own work, through our own efforts. Uh, I can say I believe and I've put my trust in God, and then I do my best to achieve that joy and peace somewhere else. I want to stop and think this morning for a little while about what would be the consequence of letting go of some of those things that we hold on to. Here's a truth. Real peace and real joy come through the Holy Spirit. It flows into our hearts and into our minds and fulfills our needs. And it's not the other way around. We don't find peace and joy by meeting the needs of our body or our mind or even our heart. We find peace and joy through the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's been said, not by me, by people much cleverer than me, that the most dangerous kind of lie is a half-truth because it sounds as though it might be true or ought to be true when actually it's not. And I want to share with you just now a few half-truths. They sound as if they're true, they sound as if they're good or okay, but actually they're quite dangerous. Three of these. First of all, that we can find peace and fulfilment in our lives through penitence. Now that's a religious word. What it means is finding things that we do wrong and saying sorry for them. Now, that sounds true, doesn't it? It sounds right. We see the things that are wrong in our lives, we see the things that we do wrong, and we repent, and we say sorry, and we ask to be forgiven. That is a good thing. Where it becomes dangerous is when we spend all our time and energy looking for all those things that are wrong, and so much so that we trip over our own feet. We keep stumbling because the voice comes and says, you're no good. Look at what you just did. Look how you failed there. Ask this, who is it that convicts of sin? It's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. When are we most likely to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? I say it's when we draw close to Jesus. When are we most likely to feel secure in our salvation? It's when we're close to Jesus. And if there's a voice that keeps telling us we're no good, we've slipped up, we've failed, again and again and again, it's not likely to be the voice of God. It's not likely to be the Holy Spirit. It's more likely to be one who wants us to trip over and fall down and say, I'm no good. And what's the danger? The danger is we then doubt whether we're really saved. Second half-truth. I'll find peace by humbling myself. It's right that we have humility, that we show humility. It's not a bad thing. But where it goes wrong is when we keep telling other people how hopeless we are. How pathetic. I'm guilty of this. But though, again, those who know me will know I do this. I put myself down all the time. I tell other people I'm rubbish, I'm no good. And what I'm actually hoping for, and it will probably happen at the end of the service today, you know, I'm hoping somebody will come along and say, Donovan, well done. That was great. 
So I say, well, that was rubbish, wasn't it? They say, no, it wasn't. It was good. And so you're putting ourselves down. And that's not healthy. Um, God says, this is 2 Chronicles 7, he says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. It's not about me. It's about my attitude and my relationship with the Father. I humble myself, not for other people to lift me up. I humble myself and I pray, God, do something in our land. The third, um, I will find peace by consecrating myself. And again, it's another religious word. You think about the, what, the, what the guy said when he was hanging from the branch. If you save me, if you rescue me, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. When Rosemary was really ill, and I'm not going to tell you all that story again, but when Rosemary was really ill, I was saying to God, if you heal, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And I heard nothing. I felt as far away from God as I could be away from God. I felt desperate. And it was only at the point when I stopped saying, I will, I will, I will, when I said, your will, Father, there was a change. And I heard God say to me, have my peace. Rosemary is going to be well. It's when you lose control, it's when you let go of control, I will, I will, I will, and put God in control and put trust and confidence in him. So the fundamental is that our trust and confidence is in Jesus in our salvation. And as I said a few moments ago, the danger, the biggest danger, is that when these things go wrong, when we start to become anxious or worried, we think, perhaps my salvation isn't real. This is kind of another half-truth. I'm saved, and it brings me joy and blessing. If I don't feel joy and blessing, perhaps... I'm not saved. And that's an untruth. It's not true at all. I know I'm saved because God has rescued me. It's nothing to do with anything that's on my part at all. The truth is I know I'm saved. Not because I feel saved or because my life is filled with joy and peace. I know I'm saved because I've put my trust in Jesus and he has promised to keep me safe. Now, I said I'm one who likes to be in control. Rosemary would also tell you I'm a worry lover. She says I just love to worry. I don't actually, I hate it. But she'll tell you that if I haven't got anything to worry about, I'll find something to worry about. She says I'm only happy when I'm worrying about something. Um, but I don't like it. I don't like living with worry. I don't li like living with anxiety. The problem is I don't let go. I hold on to it and it makes me anxious. Most of us get down at some point or other. We feel low. I'll even say I'm depressed. Now, I know there's a real thing called clinical depression. And I'm not talking about a medical or a, a mental illness. I'm talking about that low feeling sorry for myself. And we all get that sometimes. We're not exempt from it. And it's another one of the symptoms of our human nature, I think but we don't have to give in to it. It's a consequence of being dissatisfied with our own efforts, actually. 
I was reading uh, some, some things written by Spurgeon. And may, I'd love, I just really enjoyed reading Spurgeon, but he, he wrote about depression, and I was surprised to find somebody like Spurgeon writing about depression. Let me just read you what he said. He said, I am the subject of depression of spirit, so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go through. But I always get back again by this. I know I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in him. And I love this bit. If he falls, I shall fall with him. But if he does not, then I shall not. Because he lives, I shall live also. And I spring to my feet, and I fight with my depression of spirit, and I get victory through it, and so may you, and so you will. Notice he doesn't say, and the depression of the spirit disappears. He says, I spring to my feet, and I fight with my depression. There's two parts of it. It's recognizing that Jesus is the source of my strength. He is my saviour. Is realizing that he offers to take all my burden. He offers to take control if I will just let go and let him. And then the process of transformation can begin. It's not necessarily immediate. So what's the message this morning? The message is, let go. Let go of the things that cause you anxiety and take hold of the truth that God's love and grace is sufficient to meet all of your needs and to bring you joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Now I've written down here to remind me that I wanted to read to you from 2 Corinthians. I've got two little things I want to read and then I'm going to close. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. to look through the right bit of my glasses so I can see. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. And the second one is from 1 Peter. It excited me this because I've had that passage in Philippians marked in my Bible, ringed round, under, underscored for years and years. And underneath it, I'd written 1 Peter 5, verse 7. can't remember when I wrote that. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says this. Get to it. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now the excitement was because after Easter we're going into a new series which is about holiness, which is based in 1 Peter. And I was just encouraged to have that, that link through to, to what we have next. I want to finish quickly with a story. My time's gone. I'm just going to finish with a little story. Very short. Um, Ro and I have been watching an American television series. Uh, we've got a box, box sets, and it's called The West Wing. 
It's about the White House, it's about the President and the team in the White House. And uh, we, ca- we, we got to the last episode of Series 4 of The West Wing. And in this episode, the President's daughter is kidnapped by terrorists. And they want to exert pressure on him to withdraw from a country where he's trying to um, solve a problem. And so the terrorists kidnap his daughter and he has a dilemma because he has the power to rescue his daughter by acceding to the demands of the terrorists. He also has the power to attack this country and he has dilemma of what to do. His decision was to hand over power, to hand over the presidency to somebody else and to stand away from it. And the reason he did it was because he wanted to not have that control. He felt if he had that power of control, he would sacrifice for his daughter. And he knew that that was wrong. The amazing thing that struck me was that in doing that, he actually broke the power of the terrorist. Because all of the terrorist power was in him holding the president's daughter. So by the president giving the control to somebody else, that power was completely broken. That's true in our lives with God. When we hold the power, when we hold the control, the devil has the opportunity to come in and attack us in our weaknesses. When we give Jesus the power, give Jesus the authority, give Jesus the control in our lives, the power of the enemy is broken, it's disabled, because we trust in Jesus. Now, I don't know what you're carrying this morning, whether you're carrying anxiety or illness or whatever it is that's causing you to feel fearful or anxious. There's an opportunity this morning to bring that to Jesus and cast it on him, to hand over control of that problem to Jesus. There are people here this morning who would pray with you in that. There are people who wear badges, who for prayer and encouragement, who would pray with you. There are others you can get alongside, a friend, somebody you come with this morning, somebody to pray with you over that anxiety you're still carrying as a burden because Jesus wants you to be released of it you can come to him and he will take it away and that's my prayer for all of us today so I'll close with that